Hey everybody, it's Jeff. I just wanted to pop in here real quick before the episode started and say that there is nothing about the Darius Geist news on this episode. The news broke pretty much as we hit stop on our uh, recording and uh, broke for the day. So we don't have anything about that. It's just our tight end preview. We will have something up on the website about the Darius Geist news shortly. Just for now, know that uh, he committed what sounds to be some pretty heinous acts of domestic violence. He has been cut by the Washington football team, and my personal opinion is that he should be done in the NFL. Whether or not the NFL agrees, we'll see. Uh, After all, the player who looks to gain a lot from this is Adrian Peterson, who, if you all remember, beat his son with a whip um, on his uh, groin area until it bled. So not exactly a model citizen taking snaps there in Washington. So for now set that aside we have our tight end preview hello everybody and welcome back to the football absurdity podcast we got an old school edition here just me and mike mike how are you doing today i'm doing good i was actually thinking the same thing myself it was like god we haven't done this since I don't know, quite a while, uh, maybe dating back to prior, yeah, it has to be prior COVID, so yeah, it's good to get things sort of uh, retro back together again. That's right, Evan, get out. <laughs> You're gone. You're gone. If this is your first episode, my name is Jeff Crisco, his name is Mike Valverde. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff Crisco, K-R-I-S-K-O, you can find him at R-F-L Red Zone. And Waleed, I am talking to you because you unfollowed Mike. <laughs> Dang it, Waleed, what's wrong with you? Yeah, so again, if this is your first episode, what you di- dove into or jumped into is our tight end uh, preview episode. This is our last position preview episode. You can go back one in your feed to find the running backs preview, and that's it. And if you want quarterbacks, wide receivers, you can join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash football absurdity if you sign up there it's three bucks a month you also get our draft kit which is done and mark two came out today for our patrons if you just want that draft kit uh paypal seven bucks to football absurdity at gmail.com and we'll get you a copy of it and we update it weekly and every time it updates you'll get an updated edition you can also get a copy of that by signing up for fanduel at fanduel.com slash football absurdity or four for four dot uh, com promo code beer sheets that gets you 25 percent off of your subscription free draft kit and um, the FanDuel code gets you uh, five bucks with deposit and a free draft kit uh, you can join the discussion with us at tiny.cc slash absurdity on the discord Evan is not live streaming a mock auction this week uh, he usually does it every Friday at twitch.tv slash drunk nerds 8888 but he's got some family issues he's got to take care of um, I mentioned the uh, player profile. I'm sorry, the draft kit. Um, you can kind of see most of the information non-updated on the website. You can check out our player profiles, our rookie rundowns, our sleeper breakout and bust. But I went through all of those and updated them for the draft kit. So that stuff's kind of out of date, but not in the draft kit. Again, seven bucks uh, to uh, footballabsurdity at gmail.com. Get you it. All right, Mike, you ready for a massive news block? Yes, sir. Oh, so we've got opt-outs, we've got COVID, we've got PUP and NFI guys, we've got random musings and best shape of their life guys. But you know what the best part of this is, Mike? We were so worried yesterday that there was going to be, we were going to have to scrap the tight end for this week because of all the opt-outs. And we had almost no opt-outs that mattered. So since we last talked the opt-outs, we've had our Marquise Lee wide receiver for the Patriots. These are the only ones that matter for fantasy. Uh, CJ Mosley. 
uh, for the Jets, uh, linebacker Geronimo Allison, wide receiver for the Lions, Matt Lacoste, uh, tight end for the uh, Patriots, which leaves the Patriots uh, tight end room with Mike. Take a guess as to how many combined catches the entire uh, Patriots tight end room has. Oh, four. Oh, you actually got below it. Uh, I thought you were going to get over it. It is six. The entire the entire Patriots um, tight end room has six catches because it's Devin Asiasi, uh, D- Dalton King, Dalton Keen, who are both rookies, and then Ryan Izzo, who has six career catches. <laughs> That's their tight end room. Um, jo- Josh Doxson opted out, and then pertinent to our discussion today, I'm sure we'll get to this. I'm going to put it on the back burner for now. Two wide receivers on the Dolphins, Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson, both opted out, both on the fringes of fantasy relevance, but it does greatly affect. Uh, one guy in particular who we will, I know we'll talk about later because he's my favorite tight end in the whole wide world. <laughs> so for the COVID list, we got one guy that hopped on and stayed on. That's Jalen Samuels. Uh, since we last talked, Gardner Minshew, Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay, and James Washington all hopped on and off the COVID list. So that's good. Um, Pup slash NFI guys. So these are guys that are on the active list. So what this means is they can be active at any time. They just aren't physically able to perform right now. Or they have a non-football injury. It's uh, Mohamed Sanu, Sony Michelle, Rashad Penny, Will Disley, Corey Davis, and T.Y. Hilton. Who, Mike, what's going on with your boy? Hey, same got- old, same old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is going to plague him um, this year again. Just injury-prone, dude. Um, yeah, it's, um, the same story as it other was, as it always was with, uh, with T Y Hilton. So, um, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, so then we get some random musings, um, jump in if you think any of this matters. Uh, Tannehill is impressed with rookie Darrington Evans. I don't care. Brandon, Ayuk likely to start week one for the 49ers, which is bad news for Debo Samuel. Um, because if they're already elevating him to that, that means they're counting on being down a guy. Um, Scotty Miller is likely the Bucks' number three wide receiver. Um, we'll just put it this way. The profile, when you look at him, profiles a lot the same as Danny Amendola, Wes Welker, um, Julian Edelman. So this is turning people's heads, even though uh, Chris Godwin is uh, much better in the slot. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is probably the week one starter for uh, the Chargers. And then I want to stop here. Ronald Jones is probably, quote, the main guy for Tampa Bay. Mike, what do you think? We talked about Ronald Jones a little bit um, two weeks ago um, when we we're doing the uh, running back previews. But what do you what does this do anything for you or is this just another instance of coach speak? I I mean, when when wasn't he the main guy? Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's just like I think it sounds uh, charging. It sounds like, oh, OK, Ronald Jones is going to be the main guy. But if you just take a back seat and and think about it for a second, it's like, OK, yeah, he he was the main guy and. He is the main guy. Okay, thanks, thanks, Arians. I appreciate it. Yeah, we got the same reports last year, and Peyton Barber got like 150 touches. So, yeah. um, so, and you know that with uh, Keyshawn Bond's not going to go away. It, it's going to be the same song and dance. Uh, so, yeah, I, I appreciate the news, Arians, but it's not going to be any different than it was last year. Yeah. And then uh, Austin Hooper and Baker Mayfield had a two, three week sleepover um, when Hooper joined the uh, Browns. Hank Ruggs is supposed to start in the slot, which doesn't mean much to me for Henry Ruggs, but it does. I did have to temper my expectations for Hunter Renfro this year because he's their slot guy. That's when he really turned it on last year was when he started in the slot. So if Ruggs gets a lot of slot snaps, it does make me a little bit more worried for Hunter Renfro this year. Um, 
Matt Rule says it's Ian Thomas's turn at tight end for Carolina. Uh, Ian Thomas didn't do much last year, um, but he did flash when uh, the uh, the Panthers had to turn to him in 2018 when Greg Olson went down with injury. But I um I looked into it today. The Panthers passed out of two tight end personnel like 12 percent of the time in 2018 and 15 percent in 2019, which was among the lowest in the league. So that's why Ian Thomas didn't get a lot of opportunity. It was like 200 snaps in the last two seasons with two tight ends on the field. So it's not um, that big of a deal. And I, I don't even think that the Carolina Panthers offense, the way Matt Rule sets his his offense up, the tight end is going to be used uh, extensively either. So I, I like I think Thomas definitely has the capability of being a good tight end, but if he'd be someone that I'd want to take flyer off like the last round. If he goes before the last round, then, you know, that yeah. that's not, I'm, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. He's, he's in that range of guys. We'll talk about later on with like the Dawson Knox or Chris Herndon, where you're like, let's see what happens here. Um, not only does Matt rule not set up for tight ends is it's the short, short range is crowded. It's very crowded there in Carolina with DJ Moore taking short passes and uh, Christian McCaffrey as well um, with uh, Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel being more of the field stretchers. Um, just other things. Uh, Preston Williams is cleared for football activities. Alex Smith could be uh, Washington football team's week one starter, which if he comes back, just cancel voting for comeback player of the year. If he takes one snap this year, just cancel voting and give him the trophy. Because he's the comeback player of the century if uh, Alex Smith plays one snap for Washington, uh, if, of NFL football ever again. Um, I think he's comeback player of the year just because he still has his legs. I mean, yeah. the, that that's how bad it really was for Alex Smith, that they were seriously contemplating chopping off his leg. Yeah, it was. And if you've seen the pictures, don't. Or if you oh, haven't seen yeah. the pictures, don't. <laughs> that's my one. That's our piece of advice for you. They are gnarly. Um Jimmy G uh, said on a conference call that his knee feels, quote, night and day better than it did in 2019. Uh, Marquise Brown added 23 pounds to some amount of weight he had before. There was a lot of argument on fantasy football Twitter yesterday as to what he weighs now after saying he gained 23 pounds. Just he gained 23 pounds. Who knows what he weighs now, but it's 23 pounds more than when he started. 23 uh, pounds. I think that's how much he weighs. <laughs> dude is skinny. Very, very skinny. Uh, Deontay Johnson recovered from his hernia surgery, which is good because he's on a lot of breakout or sleeper lists. And then we got one signing that um, I want to take the rest of the episode to talk about. (laughs) The San Francisco 49ers signed Jordan Reed, baby. Like I always said, Jordan Reed, healthy, constantly, always good, never not. People just worrying about what he did three or four seasons ago. Let's go, baby. George Kittle, Jordan Reed. Of course, I'm being facetious. He's going to get hurt in week one. Is he even going to play? Or, I mean, what? I forget who their backup tight end last year was when George Kittle was out with two two or three games. Uh, he wasn't too bad. Is, why do they need Jordan Reed? Uh, it was Ross Dwelly, and because Ross, yes. yeah, Dw- Ross Dwelly is more in the uh, Kyle's use check mold, where he's more of a blocker. He can catch passes if he's so asked to do so. But Jordan Reed is more of that, you know, the the pass catching tight end, the move tight end, sort of, or not move tight end. That's use check, but more of the, you know, uh, 
uh, not really a tight end, more of a wide receiver sort of thing. And and the 49ers are all loaded with guys that are kind of like tweeners. Um, like Jordan Reed is a tight end slash wide receiver, really. Debo Samuel's a wide receiver slash running back. Same with Jalen Hurd. Same with uh, Jawan Jennings. I mean, Juszczyk is, he does, he's a jack of all trades. So um, I think they're kind of planning on using Jordan Reed as a giant wide receiver, which will be fun. Gotcha. Um, yeah, like I said, for the, the first game till he gets hurt. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, all right. That'll go right into our tight end preview for this year. So, um, we've been checking in with Evan on auction strategy and stuff, and, um, he's not here this week, but basically his auction strategy for this is, uh, don't pay up for tight ends. Um, it's the barbecue strategy. It's a uh, find a guy that you like that's going below market value. Go get him. That's basically what it comes down to. Don't pay up for, for the position because, um, you can get a lot of value late and you're chewing up value that you could use to get a top guy if you, um, overpay for a tight end. So Mike, I got a really easy pick your poison for you today because I knew it was just going to be the two of us. Who are your top five tight ends for 2020 in order? Oh, in order. That's a tough one. Okay, so uh, definitely I think George – it's going to be a tough race with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Let's just say because Debo, um, he's not been ruled out for week one. So I'm going to go Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, one and two. Uh, I would only go Kittle over Kelsey if Kittle was going to be the – if Debo was going to miss time. So those are my two guys. And then I have uh, Mark Andrews at number three. I have – ooh. This uh, is where it gets hard. Yeah. Um, because I want I want to say Ingram at number five, but who's my number four guy? I'm, I'm You know, I'm just going to throw it in there and see what happens if, if – if it turns out the way it did the last eight games for the Rams with Tyler Higby gaining over 100 yards like in Ooh. three of those four games, I'm going to go Tyler Higby at number four and Evan Ingram at number five. Ooh, look at you. All right. So I'm going to do this. I'm having trouble doing one through five. So I'm just going to punt on this and I'm going to go to my projections. So I have Kittle one, Kelsey two, Andrews three, Evan Ingram four. Because I do um, assume full health. So he is running and cutting and stuff. He had foot surgery. He should be okay. That's the idea. So I have Ingram Ford. So I'm with you there, Mike. Uh, he's the top of this class. Um, I do have, um, let's see, fifth is Darren Waller, who I don't like. I kind of need to change that. I'm going to change that to Zach Ertz. Um, so I got Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews, Ingram, and Zach Ertz. But do you know who I have sixth? Who do you have sixth? You you know who I have six. Tyler Higby. No. You know oh, who I, I have. Six. You know who I have six. You know yeah. my boy. I've been looking forward to this episode because this is the episode I get to talk about my boy. You're, my, you're, you're not going to get sick if you pick this pick with no. Mike sick. Woo! Spit those bars, Mike. <laughs> so those are my top five and six. I gave you six as well, just so I could talk about Mike Kasicki. So, Mike. Let's talk about this one's kind of easy, uh, more so than running back and wide receiver in terms of it's a position where unless you're playing in specific settings or like a tight end premium league, um, which if you hear that term, it means that uh, things are weighted more towards tight ends like they get uh, if it's a half PPR league, they may get full PPR or they get, you know, extra points for yards or something like that um, to bump up usable tight ends. So unless you're in one of those leagues, 
Um, it's a very simple strategy for me. Um, I want to hear what your strategy is, though, on your general tight end strategy. My general tight end strategy is to ignore the top five tight ends as much as possible unless ADP comes calling and go with someone later in the draft. Uh, I'm sure Tyler Higby will fall to you. Uh, you know, maybe Austin Hooper, you know, Mike Kosicki, of course, if he falls. So there's so many different tight ends out there that are probably going to be um, much more worth their ADP than you are if you have to pay premium price for, say, uh, Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. Yeah. So that's that's kind of my strategy, too, where um, I am not uh, adverse to taking Kittle or Kelsey, but it's got to be a screaming steal. I'm talking like back into the second round or into the third round, which given their draft price, that means I'm not drafting Kittle or Kelsey, but I don't fault people for not wanting to deal with the mess that is tight end and just taking them. Um, especially because they're so good at the position and uh, far and away better than everybody else. But everybody between Mark Andrews and I'm looking at draft position data here, everybody between Mark Andrews and Austin Hooper, who is the tight end 11 off the board, I'm pretty much hands off. So that's not taking a guy within the first 110 picks. But then you get into Hurst, Fant, Gesicki, Hawkinson, Jonu, Goddard, Doyle, who Mike, you turned me on to, Jarwin, um, the, all those guys go between 113 and 173. And those are all guys that I like, and I, I want to take two of them. So I'm getting of these guys, of course, Mike Kosicki is the number one for me, but I'm trying to get one from that sort of tier. And then if like a Hayden Hurst falls or a Noah Fant falls, of course, then, but then I'm probably waiting a couple rounds, getting a Hawkinson or waiting all the way to the end of the draft and taking a Jack Doyle or um, a uh, Blake Jarwin or a Dallas Goddard. So it's kind of like, I'm going to wait and wait and wait and wait. And then I'm going to take, take my guy. And um, if I'm in a shallow bench league, I'm only taking one. If I only got like five, four or five bench slots, I'm not going to burn one on a second tight end, but in six tight, uh, six bench spots, um, I, um, I'm definitely going to go with uh, the double tight end. Yeah, and then also I think I'm I'm pretty much probably either way going to only have one tight end just because I think there's so many tight ends that are available um, that are going to be available that probably could surprise, especially as you're getting anywhere between the 22, the 25, 26 range. I mean, Chris Herndon on this list right now on ADP is 26, and. Mm-hmm. Granted, he, you know, he's not proven himself, um, but last year was a fluke year. Um, and when he's been on the field, he's, he's, you know, a pretty dang good wide receiver in the top, you know, 12 to 15 range. So, you know, he's probably not going to be drafted. Uh, Ian Thomas isn't going to be drafted. Mm-hmm. So why, why not just, you know, take one and then see what happens and pick Greg Olson at 22? I mean, you know, Seattle loves to throw their tight end. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm totally waiting. Yeah, and that doesn't even get into Dawson Knox, who actually had uh, was the third best uh, rookie tight end last year, and it wasn't even close between him and number four. Um, so it was just uh, um, th- there's a lot of guys that can go late in this. So I'm not really worried about snagging a guy high, and I'm definitely not interested in this tight end middle class. Um, we'll we'll talk about it as we go through the tiers i like to call them water uh the lottery tight ends but not because they're lottery tickets but because you can 
take everybody between on ADP, say Darren Waller and gosh, Blake Jarwin. So tight end five to tight end 20. And you can just use a ping pong ball machine, like a lottery machine. You remember those Mike, where they would, they would have the balls popping around and then they would spit out. Totally. Yeah. So you could put all their names into one of those machines, into a, a, put them on ping pong balls, put them in one of those machines. And no matter what order it spat out, I could see, I'd be like, okay, I could see that. Yeah, you know? exactly. You you can really make a, a strong case for, I, I mean, I could, I, let's just say um, Noah Fant at 13 and Blake Jarwin at 20. I can make a case for either one. And we're talking about a seven, seven ADP slide in tight end. Yeah. You know? And it really is any anything after say the really the fourth tight end, you're really in a in a slip and slide where mm-hmm. you can go from one to the other, and one could be seventeenth tight end on ADP, but I can make a case for him to be the number five. I can make a case for Darren Waller to not even be worth drafted next season. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's 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 um. So for that reason, I'm not taking the high price part of that. And and the slip and slide is perfect. It's um, you know, it's like why take Darren Waller when you can take Hunter Henry? Why take Hunter Henry when you can take Kyler Higby? Why take Higby when you can take Ingram? And it just goes down the line. And and yeah. um, I'm not interested in paying up. So um, so yeah, I think that was a good talk about strategy. Are there any tight ends you're specifically avoiding this year? Ooh, that's a tough question. I think um, I'm avoiding Austin Hooper mm-hmm. in, in the top, say, 12. Uh, that's the guy I'm completely avoiding. And uh, Darren Waller, I should say, I'm completely avoiding. So those are the two tight ends I'm completely avoiding in the top 12. Yeah, me too. And throw Jared Cook on that pile. 65 targets last year. No, thank you. At pick 81, I'm not interested in that. He had 65 targets last year, and they added Emmanuel Sanders. So, and hopefully we're going to have a full season of, of health from Alvin Kamara. So it's, it's, I'm not interested in Jared Cook, but same guys, Waller, uh, Hooper and, um, throw Jared Cook on that pile as well. I'm not interested in those guys. Um, oh, and Gronk. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about Gronk. I'm not taking Gronk cause we'll get there, but Gronk, Gronk, I want to know your opinion on. So are there any tight ends you're specifically targeting? Uh, I like Mark Andrews a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and in the top twelve, I also. I mean, if if Evan Ingram is ADP is eight, which it is right now, I would take Evan Ingram. Those those would be my two targets: Mark Andrews and Evan Ingram in the top twelve. Yeah, Ingram's a screaming steal. Like it's crazy. Um, you know, he, yes, he got hurt last year, but when he played, he was a monster. Like he was, he was such an insane value last year. Um, I had him on one of my fantasy teams and, um, I'd never really paid up for tight end before. Um, it's kind of been my philosophy for a long time and I was very happy with him because, um, especially cause it was a, uh, a PPR league and he had 11 for 116, six for 48, six for 113, four for 54, six for 42. It was just beautiful, beautiful music he was making. And then he kind of fell off cliff, but um, to start the year, he was a monster. So I do like uh, Ingram, but the guys I'm targeting are tight ends, 12, 13 and 14. It's my tier. This is where I live. Hurst, Fant and Gesicki. Those are my boys. Um, I love what Hayden Hurst, his opportunity in Atlanta, uh, Noah Fant, I will say the stat I say pretty much every time the only rookie to have multiple hundred yard plus a touchdown games in their rookie year. The only tight end to ever do that. And then my boy, Mike Kosicki. 
Um, so those are the guys that I'm targeting is that tier. Um, anything later than that, um, I am a big uh, proponent of uh, Ian Thomas and Dawson Knox and and that that tier of guys as well. So, Mike, you ready to talk tiers? Tiers for fears? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. So um, what we do is we break up the tight ends by tiers on Fantasy Pros ADP. Um, I do half PPR because I'm a fence sitter and I don't like to take a side in the debate. So if you disagree with where the tiers are, don't take it up with me. I didn't do this. I I, I didn't I didn't do this average draft position. Talk to your fellow drafters. So th- that's how I broke up the tiers. We have 13 tiers of tight ends, but really the last two tiers are meh. They're junk. So let's start with tier one. Uh, these are picks 17 through 20. These are the first two round picks. It's Kittle and Kelsey. Um, you said that you would take Kittle before Kelsey if Debo is going to miss time. But at which pick are you starting to look at taking Kittle, who right now is pick 20 off the board? Okay, say that question one more time for me, please. Where would you draft George Kittle? At what pick are you comfortable taking George Kittle? Let me let me ask that question in a much simpler way. <laughs> well, I got a little distracted too, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um so which which tight end at which pick are you comfortable taking George Kittle um, in your your fantasy draft? I think as long I, I would I would pick George Kittle in the third round. I think in anywhere in the third round, if he's available, I'm I'm pretty much okay with it. Uh, and but it also depends on what I do with the first two rounds as well. If if I go two running backs, then I'm probably going to want to go wide receiver. Uh, so maybe not with George Kittle, but if someone says, okay, I drafted George Kittle in the third round, I'm not going to be like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of where I am third round on George Kittle as well. Uh, Kelsey, I could, uh, you know what? I have Kittle over Kelsey, so I, I'm never going to draft uh, Travis Kelsey. I mean, period. It's not going to happen. So these guys are, do you see any world where these guys don't end up tight end one and tight end two, assuming full health? No, no, I, I, it would be, yeah, I don't see, I think definitely one and two is where they definitely should be. Yeah. Um, so the, he's, it's kind of like uh, Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, uh, up at the top where it's like, you can try to make points for somebody else being number one, but you're, 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 you're straining too hard. You're trying to be cute if you're doing that. So if you want to pay up for tight end, these are the guys you pay up for. They're going to be slam dunk one and two, assuming health this year. Then when we get into the tier two guys, picks 36 through 38, and that's uh, Mark Andrews and Zach Ertz. Uh, Mark Andrews is a guy that if I were to pick a player that would end up as tight end two who wasn't Kelsey or Kittle, I would pick Mark Andrews. Um, Mark Andrews was a target hog last year, yes, but he never played on more than 57% of the Baltimore Ravens snaps last year. In a single game, he never topped 57% of snaps. And he only topped half the snaps like three times. So if the Ravens aren't as good as they were last year, and if the Ravens aren't as explosive, and they have to be on the field for more plays, that means Mark Andrews is going to get more plays. He's going to get more snaps. They traded Hayden Hurst. He could be the guy that I think could make a case to end up over Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. But I don't think that that's likely and you said that you like mark andrews too so what was what were your thoughts on mark andrews well i I know that lamar jackson um likes to sort of target the the short to intermediate route uh which is one of the reasons why mark andrews was so successful so that's one reason also uh 
as you mentioned, um, Hayden Hurst is gone. But Devin DuVernay, who's a rookie, is going to take his place. He's probably more of a threat. And so that's sort of like why I have him at number three is because I think DuVernay is going to get more attention than Hayden Hurst got. Uh, So it's... I like Andrews. I just don't see it being um, where he vaults to the top. Okay, that that's that's fair enough. So, um, so all right. Um, and then Zacherts. Zacherts is a guy that I don't know. I, I I want you to talk me out of this position that I have on Zacherts. I want to see if you can do it. Now, Marquis Goodwin opted out, so there's one less mouth to feed. Um, one less uh, mouth to feed in in. Um, Philadelphia, but I still think I don't like the target volume for Zacherts this year. I know he gets tons of targets every single year, but we also saw Dallas Goddard emerge last year, and they have. I'm. We've heard about JJ Arthago Whiteside was really hurt last year, so I think he gets more targets as more it. Greg Ward came out last year. They got Jalen Rieger there. They, fingers crossed, have more than half a game from Deshaun Jackson. Fingers crossed from their perspective. Uh, Miles Sanders catches passes. Boston Scott catches passes. I don't know if there's the 120 targets there for Zach Ertz this year, and that's been where so much of Zach Ertz's value has come from, is just the massive target volume. So I... I I don't think that Zach Ertz belongs in this tier. I think he belongs down it with Darren Waller. I think that there's a clear second tier with Mark Andrews, and then there's a clear third tier with Ertz and and, and Waller. And and I think that Ertz might be one of the most overdrafted tight ends by the time it's all said and done. Now, can you talk me out of that? Or no, I I, I think you're going to see Dallas Goder um, improve. I, I see that up and coming, and Zach Ertz going down. So. You have the up arrow with Goder, Zacherts on the down arrow, plus all the other reasons you mentioned. It's just a lot of mouths to feed on this Eagles team, especially in the passing department. So they love they love those two two tight ends. They love they use those two tight ends, but mm-hmm. they also didn't have healthy wide receivers either. So yeah. I'm sure that they're going to prefer to go to the wide receiver over the tight end when you have wide receivers that you can go to. Uh, and I just see that that. The, this difference between Ertz production and Goder production becoming even more closer. Uh, so I think it's more name than it is actually production, but still, yeah, it's just like in one of those, just, I mean, I can make a case for Hunter Henry over to Ertz. I can make a case for Higby over Ingram over. So it, you're going from four to eight to nine now, you know, it's just one of those messes. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not crazy because it's. I mean, they were starting Greg Ward and Deontay Burnett in the playoffs last year, and it's it it really feels like um, exactly what you said that this is the year where I think that Goddard and Ertz are going to get closer in value. But Ertz is going as tight end four off the board, and, Dal- and Dallas Goddard's going as tight end seventeen. So it's like, you know, let's let's uh, let's see which one is the smarter pick there. So I'm glad that I'm not crazy about Zach Ertz because it felt like I'm gonna be honest with you, Mike. It felt like I was manufacturing a reason to not like Zach Ertz. That's what it felt like. Yeah, no, I I, I think there's definitely logical logical reasons to say Ertz is not a, a rock solid number four tight end off the draft board. Perfect. All right, now now that we're in agreement, let's move on to Darren Waller. Um, 
Same. I, I have the same argument with Waller that I have with Ertz, which is why I'm pairing Ertz with Waller. Darren Waller had 117 targets last year. Um, he was over the last few seasons. I think he ranked number four in yardage and number three in catches his year last year. Um, like in terms of players who have done it. So it was him, Ertz, Kelsey, Kittle. And I really feel like the same story with Zach Ertz is being told for Darren Waller in Philadelphia or in Las Vegas. Last year they had Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, and I don't even remember who the third wide receiver was. Uh, Zay Jones. Zay Jones? There you go. Zay Jones. Zay Jones. Good God. And they added Brian Edwards, who's supposedly healthy. They added Hank Ruggs, who's supposedly healthy. They added Lynn Bowden, who's going to catch passes. They're going to have a full year from Hunter Renfro. They added Nelson Aguilar to drop passes. Um, So I really think there's going to be a lot more targets spread around. They added Jason Witten, um, you know, and I just don't know. While Waller was very efficient on a yards per target basis, I just don't know if the targets are going to be there. But at the same time, he only scored three touchdowns. So I don't know if, you know, the, the normal touchdown regression is going to offset his target volume. But I'm just staying away from Darren Waller. This is, like I said, this is the top of the ping pong ball tier, the lottery tier of guys that goes all the way down to, to tight end 20. And I'm not going to pay up for a guy at the top of that tier. I'll pay up for a guy in the 12, 13 range, you know, because that that's where the price is right. So how do you feel about Darren Waller in 2020? I mean, I, I hate to echo you, but I, I'm going to echo you. I And then plus, <laughs> plus you have Josh Jacobs, who I'm pretty sure, I mean, confident enough that he's going to get more receptions. The dude can catch. You know, he's not like a fantastic, he's not like a Christian McCaffrey, but he's no worse than, say, a Leonard Fournette. And... He, you know, he has that capability. So why why won't he get more targets? And mm-hmm. it's yeah, I don't I don't like the volume production. Now, if there was no Hank Ruggs and no you know all these other receivers that the that the Raiders have, then I'd say okay, well maybe there's a chance. But it, there's just way too many mouths to feed to think that Darren Waller is going to be worthy of a tight end five. Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel about it too, is that there's just way too many mouths to feed there in, um, in Las Vegas. So, um, all right, let's, let's, uh, not belabor the Darren Waller point. Let's move on to tier four. These are picks 66 through 73. And that is Hunter Henry of the chargers, Tyler Higby of the Rams. Couple guys we'll see on, um, hard knocks, which starts this weekend. That's crazy. Oh. Nothing, nothing's happening, but hard knocks starts this weekend. Yeah. I, I was always curious on what, what they were going to do with, with this uh because as you mentioned there's nothing going on yeah so it's um it's good good thing they snagged two teams to do it this year it's gonna be the rams and the chargers but so henry and higby two guys that we'll see on hard knocks this weekend and then evan ingram we've already talked about evan ingram a bit so we'll set him aside for now um let's talk about hunter henry because i have some interesting statistics for hunter henry that he could end up, I don't think he's going to end up end the year as the tight end six. I think he's going to end the year as top five or outside the top 15. Cause here's some stats for Hunter Henry. There are five active tight ends with at least 150 targets who have 12 and a half yards per target. It's him, Gronk, Cook, Kittle, and Kelsey. His 71.2% catch rate is elite and is above both Kelsey and Kittle. He's extremely good on a two, per target basis. And, over the course of his career, he averages over 100 targets per 16 games. 
So he has the chance to be really good, Hunter Henry does. Here's the problem. He's missed 20 of his last 36 games, and he has trouble playing the entire season. He uh, broke his uh, patellar tendon last... No, I'm sorry, his, uh, he, his tibial plateau fracture, the top of his knee, or the bottom of his knee. He broke that last year, missed a handful of games, about a third of the season. He tore his ACL, missed the entire year before that. He has trouble staying on the field. So I think that Henry can, if he can stay healthy, he's a swing from the heels guy. If he doesn't stay healthy, he's going to end up unusable. You can drop him. I think him and Evan Ingram are in the same boat here in that regard. Um, But, you know, in auctions, he's going for like three, four bucks. So he might be a guy that I take a shot on um, at that price. Yeah, I, I I see Henry and Ingram is the same because both both are going to put in you know top easy top ten numbers uh, when on the field uh, probably more nor towards top five tight end numbers when on the field but you can't count on either one of these players being healthy for a full season so that that obviously drops them from top five consideration down more close to top ten I'm actually surprised Henry Henry's like at six but. When you're looking at the other tight ends, maybe Austin Hooper takes a jump up. But yeah, it's yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm kind of surprised. I prefer him more towards the top ten area than top six area. Okay, yeah, uh, that was going to be my next question: is is Hunter Henry going way too high? And that seems to be a, a resounding yes. Yeah, I think at six. But then it's like, okay, who, who do you really put in his place? You okay? So you put say Higby, but is Higby really in front of Waller? So Higby is maybe at five, and then what do you have left? Maybe Austin Hooper you can maybe make a case for at six or seven, and then pretty soon you're pretty much at number six for Henry, and you're at like seven or eight for Ingram. So it's like no matter how you put the puzzle pieces, they're still going to be like seven or eight. Yeah, and this is this discussion we're having right here is why I do not begrudge people who just punt on having this tight end discussion entirely and take Kelsey or Kittle. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Because you know that they're, they're going to be the one and two, and everything else is just going to be, you know, a, you know, needle in the haystack. Yeah, in worst case scenario, you start them every single week. Worst case scenario, like you're if if things break wrong for them, you're looking at like tight end five or six. You're still upper end of starters at tight end. You don't have to worry about it every week where things could break wrong. And, you know, Hunter, Hunter Henry, Tyler Higby, Evan Ingram are all tight end 15 or later, um, or they get hurt and they miss half the year. Th- those are all possibilities. So I can completely understand people um, punting on that. So Mike, let me ask you a question here. Um, we, we have one more tight end in this tier. Would you want a tight end who, uh, catches 42 balls for 339 yards and two touchdowns for the year would you like that no no i'll pass on that one how about a tight end who catches 138 balls for 1670 yards and six touchdowns would you take that i like that yeah okay because the first tight end is hunter henry's year long or tyler higby's year-long stats up until week 12 and then the second tight end is Tyler Higby's year-long prorated stats, weeks 13 through 17. Oh, boy. I feel like Higby is extremely polarizing because we don't know if we're going to get which which Tyler Higby we're going to get. Or if all that Tyler Higby numbers are going to 
Gerald Everett. We don't know what's going to happen. Mike, I want you to, to make the decision for me. What are we doing with Higby? I, I think Tyler Higby now, is he going to perform the way he did weeks 12 through 17? I don't think so. I think you're going to see a little regression there. But if you're if you're going to say, okay, is it Tyler Higby or Gerald Everett going to be the, the targeted tight end? I think we kind of saw that last year with Higby when Everett returned from injury and the Rams were still saying, okay, we're going to go with Higby. I, I really believe that Higby is your tight end there. They're going to be targeting him quite a bit. Uh, so the question remains now, is he going to be the second highest target, the third? Because you have Woods, you have Cup, and now you have Higby. And how really how good is Jared Goff? Can he support three you know receivers and i don't know if that that's possible so i i think what you're going to get out of, out of higby is is a really mixed bag of weeks of him where they're targeting him and he performs really well and then you're going to be two or three weeks where you get like nothing because that's going to go to cook cup and woods and then you'll see one or two weeks where you get higby so i I like him when they're targeting him. I just don't think they're going to target him consistently throughout the year. Okay. All right. So I should continue to, to just not worry about it. Just whistle past this tier of tight ends. Just take my uh, my wide receivers and running backs in, in this and just, just stock up there. And then, Mike, do we jump in at tier five, pick 81, which is one guy. It is Jared Cook. Do we, do we jump in there? You know, I hated Jared Cook. I mean, I really did, and then he came on and played well with the Raiders, and you're just like, that's a total fluke. There's just no way he's going to continue to do this because he's done nothing up until then. Then he goes to his New Orleans, and you're like, okay, well, Drew Brees is going to ignore him. And for, what was it, a good five, six weeks of the season, uh, Cook was, like, doing absolutely nothing, and then you're like, aha, I knew it was right. I knew Cook sucked. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Cook comes on and has a great year. Uh, so... You know, Emmanuel Sanders is going to be the sort of the intermediate to long route kind of guy. That's pretty much where Jared Cook's going to be. I think they'll assume that Breeze is going to target Emmanuel Sanders more than Cook. But I still like Cook. I, I think he still has some value. I just probably would prefer him as an ADP more towards a 12 than the 9. Okay. And that was going to be my next question to you um, after we started is... Does Jared Cook belong with tier four or tier six? And you kind of answer that. It sounds like he belongs between between tier six and tier seven, actually, um, for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I would say uh, pretty much in, in that the later I can get him, the more confident I'll feel about it. Yeah. So here's here's just Mike to some numbers for you um, just to support your your uh, dancing on Jared Cook's grave prematurely because we all did it. So in the first six games of the year last year, he had 168 total yards, which is 28 yards per game. And um, he caught two touchdowns, and that's in the first um, six games of the year. He got hurt. He came back in week 10 with Drew Brees. And then for the rest of the year, he averaged 67 yards per game and scored uh, pretty much a touchdown, a contest, seven touchdowns in eight games. Now, that was buoyed by scoring uh, five touchdowns in the last four games. Um, against San Francisco, uh, Tennessee, and Carolina. He scored those touchdowns. But eh, it's it's hard to trust Jared Cook, even though he came back and was on that toward pace, 
because he just had 65 targets all year. Just 65 targets. And it's not a situation where uh, Teddy Bridgewater wasn't targeting him when Drew Brees was out because uh, he was on a 68 target pace without Drew Brees. So it's just like, I don't know what to make of Jared Cook. In Oakland, it seemed, to your point, it seemed unsustainable because he had way too many targets. He had way too many targets in Oakland. It didn't seem right. He had 101 targets after um, topping, you know, 85 twice in his career. And then he goes to New Orleans and we're like, well, it's not sustainable because he doesn't get enough targets. (laughs) Right. I want to have it both ways, but I can't. And I just feel like Jared Cook has this very narrow band of outcomes. I really feel like he's going to end up right where he is, somewhere between tight end 8 to 10. And if you want to take him and be safe, that's fine. He's kind of like Carson Wentz's to me at wide receiver. I we Carson Wentz, I described, I, I wrote his player profile late because, to be honest with you, I forgot about him. Um, I described him as the cream of wheat of quarterbacks, and that's kind of how I feel about Jared Cook. It's there. It's filling. It, you know, if you don't stop and think about that you want something better, it'll work for you, but it's not something that you're excited about, you know? And then because of this ADP where he's going as, what, tight end eight, uh, nine off the board, that means somebody's excited about him, pick 81. So he's also, I called him the Big Bang Theory of tight ends because highest rated. Uh, so apparently a lot of people watch it, but nobody ever talks about liking it. Nobody ever talks about how it's a good show. It's just a show that somehow gets ratings. Uh, everybody's, uh, you know, uncles and moms love Big Bang Theory, but nobody ever talks about liking it. <laughs> So that's kind of how I feel about Jared Cook. And you say that he belongs somewhere in the tier six to tier seven range. I kind of agree. Um, I would be much more comfortable, comfortable with him in the next tier, which is Rob Gronkowski and Austin Hooper, which are picks 87 through 90. Um, talk to me about Gronk. How do you feel about Gronk this year? Cause I, I wouldn't be surprised if Gronk breaks the tight end touchdown record or Gronk only plays three games. Either one of those outcomes would not surprise me. Yeah. And, and then again, you're, you're talking in a mixture with, with Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram. Um, those, both of those players are, are injury just as injury prone. I, I like the offense much better with Tampa Bay than I do sort of with Ingram and Henry and those offenses. I, I don't, see Gronkowski catching 80 balls. I think, you know, if he's healthy for 16 games, I could see 50, 50 passes, uh, 50 receptions for, you know, whatever it is, 500, 600 yards. I do see him getting a lot of touchdowns. I I can see him getting seven to eight touchdowns. So it just all depends on if he's going to maintain a full season. He's not going to be the workload that he got in new England. So that's going to help him quite a bit. And he's going to have that sunshine of Tampa Bay and keep those, you know, the blood fresh and warm and those kind of things. So, yeah, I like, I like him for about 50 with eight touchdowns. Yeah. See, this is my thought process on Rob Gronkowski is Rob Gronkowski was retired. He was doing WWE. He was his disastrous stint at commentating he was just kind of, you know, Gronk being Gronk, doing Gronk things. Mass Singer. What's that? The Mass. Did you see him on oh, Mass Singer? Yeah, the Mass Singer, just doing, you know, total, total, just like Gronk as a media personality. And then he gets a call from Tom Brady. Tom, Tom says, Robbie, let me make you a deal. 
Gronk says, what's that deal? He says, why don't you come out of retirement for me? Gronk says, man, I don't know. I'm having lots of fun. And he makes the point you said, Florida, son, do you want to hang out? Where do you want to hang out for the winter? Do you want to hang out in New York and, you know, D.C., all the, Philadelphia, the big cities in the Northeast that you're going to need to do for media promotions? Or do you want to spend the, the, the winter down here in Florida with me? Gronk goes, mm. You know, I don't know, you know, my back, it's felt a lot better since I stopped playing football. And Tom goes, let me stop you right there. Why don't you come down to Tampa Bay with me? Let's take a crack at that tight end touchdown record. I'll get you the most tight end, most touchdowns a tight ends ever scored in one season. Gronk says, you know what? That sounds like a lot of fun. That's my only thing is there is no reason for Gronk to come out of retirement except for to have one last ride with Tom Brady and for him to come out of retirement, get back into the stressors of the game to be in some sort of part-time role where he shares snaps and targets with OJ Howard and Cameron Bray. I just don't see it. But at the same time, I don't know if he can hold up to that. So that's why I said I could see him having the most tight end touchdowns that in the history of the game, or I could see him playing three games, messing up his back and that's it. For, for Gronk's career, again, it's a, another messed up back ruins his career. So I don't know what to do with Rob Gronkowski. So I, I'm punting on Rob Gronkowski just because I don't want to be wrong. Uh, but I also kind of want to take him because what if I'm right? Right. Yeah, it's a big tease. I mean, it's a really big tease because we've seen so much what Rob Gronkowski can do. And it's but we also saw what, what he did in 2018 and that was disastrous. And mm-hmm. so how much is, is he going to be 2017 Rob Gronkowski compared to the disastrous 2008 Rob Gronkowski? And it's one of those tough gambles where you would love to have him on your team because he's so much fun. But then, it, two, like you mentioned, two games in and his back tightens up and he's like, OK, I just can't do this as much as I wanted to, as much as I thought I could. I'm done. And then you're like, oh, my God, I just took maybe uh, your starting tight end being where he is at 10 at ADP. So he is going to be a starting tight end. If you take him there mm-hmm. now, he's placed two weeks and he's out for the rest of the season. Yeah. It's, it's just sort of, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to think of Gronk. So we'll see how that goes. I'll probably end up, you know, depending on what the price is, I'll probably snag him in an auction league for a couple bucks just to have fun and, and see how it goes with Gronk. But I'm not, it's one of those things where, if I'm if if I'm wrong that he's going to get hurt again, I would love to be along for the ride, you know, because he's so much fun to watch. So th- that's the only thing. So the other guy in this tier, Austin Hooper, not as much excitement about Ho- Hooper. He went from the Falcons to the Browns um, in the offseason to join a really crowded pass offense on on what if Kevin Stefanski continues to do what he did in Minnesota is going to be a run first game. He joins yep. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, David, and David Njoku um, there in Cleveland. And his per-target stuff is pretty good. Number eight in fantasy points per route run. Number nine in fantasy points per target. Um, pretty milquetoast uh, touchdown rate. 11th in the league. Um, just kind of, he's good enough. And I just don't know if he's going to get enough targets to return on this. So what do you think about Austin Hooper for 2020? I he would have to be the 15th or 16th tight end uh, off the board for me to even consider drafting him. I, 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 okay. A couple of things, as you mentioned, with the Stefanski offense, 
Well, we saw last year, when did Kyle Rudolph get involved? Well, he got involved when Adam Thielen was being, you know, injured and out. And that's when we saw Kyle Rudolph being the target receiver. Mm-hmm. Well, when, when Thielen came back, then Kyle Rudolph took a back seat. Well, with that offense, unless Landry goes out, unless uh, Odell Beckham goes out, then you're you're not he's not being targeted at all. And then plus you throw in someone like Kareem Hunt and in Nick Chubb and all those players that are going to get targets. I, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know why he's 11. I, I really don't. I, I think Austin Hooper at 11 is a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. And sort of like I was talking where Gronk's upside is he breaks the tight end touchdown record. What is Austin Hooper's upside? 75 targets, 59 catches, and 800 yards? Yeah, like, I, I, that would be the ceiling. I, I would, that's probably a, a, a nice ceiling for Austin Hooper. Yeah, yeah that, that's his upside. Why are you taking that here? Why? why? I don't get it. Take If you're going to take Austin Hooper, take Hayden Hurst 20 picks later. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. So we'll, we'll transition that into Tier 7. This is the guys. These are the guys where I said I live. Picks 113 through 119. You got Hayden Hurst, who replaced Austin Hooper in Atlanta. You got Noah Fant in Denver. You got Mike Gesicki in Miami. Um, I will not belabor the point in Mike Gesicki. I love him so much. Go get Mike Gesicki. You will not hate it. But uh, who is your preferred guy in this tier? And there, I'm going to be honest with you, Mike. There's no wrong answer. I love everybody in this tier. Yeah. I Okay. So I, I take Hayden Hurst in, mm-hmm. in a second. I think he's my number one guy. I like Mike Isicki. I just Preston Williams uh, bothers me. I think if Preston Williams is healthy and he's playing, Mike Isicki becomes sort of the odd man out there. But if Preston Williams is not healthy or is not playing up to what he was playing as a rookie, then I like Mike Isicki. Um, I would take Mike Isicki over Austin Hooper any second. Um, mm-hmm. I think the same way with Noah Fant. Is that yeah? Um, before Jerry Judy, he he had a higher price range, but now with Jerry Judy there, and Cortland Sutton, and with all the other weapons that they have, I I'm struggling keeping Noah Fant. Um, but would I take him over Austin Hooper? Probably. So I I I like Hayden Hurst the most by far in this group. Okay, and like I said, there's no wrong answer. So. Here's my thing. So we uh, we kind of skipped past Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns opting out um, because I wanted to talk about the Dolphins passing game here while talking about Mike Kosicki. So Hearns and Wilson aren't that exciting. Um, they're they're as much as fantasy Twitter wants them to be something. They haven't been something yet in their career. But Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson combined for 109 targets last year. Now, um, it's hard to so it's hard to chop up the Miami passing game because we have two events that drastically change the passing game and they get into the point where you're kind of chopping up statistics a little too tightly. So you mentioned Preston Williams, who tore his I believe it was his ACL at the end of the week nine Miami and Jets game. And then you have the week four by where in the 
Dolphins benched Josh Rosen for good. So those two things changed the face of the passing game twice, but some of their stuff overlaps. So it's really hard to evaluate what they're going to do this year. But I can't see Wilson and Hearns opting out as anything but putting the Preston Williams concerns to bed. Because I was a little bit concerned about Preston Williams, even though, spoiler alert, with Preston Williams and Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mike Gesicki averaged more yardage than without Preston Williams. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, but them vacating 100-plus targets through through the, the opting out and then the, it being such a shallow wide receiver room where they're talking about bringing Ricardo Lewis back to play a role. It's just... I don't know how you chop up the Dolphins passing game, which we'll conservatively say 550 pass attempts, kind of league average number of pass attempts. I don't know how you chop that up in a way that doesn't end up with Mike Kosicki getting at least 100 ta- uh, targets. I mean, let's look at it this way. Let, let's go top end uh, targets. Let's say Devontae Parker gets 150 targets. Okay, let's say that. Let's say... Um, Preston Williams, how many targets do you want to give him? I think Preston Williams is probably going to be as healthy as probably upward in the 100, 100 range, 110 range. I'll give him 120. Okay? okay. So that that gives you, let's say they throw 550 times and 270 uh, uh, targets go out to um, Parker, and- Parker and Preston Williams, which would be really weird because there's, Usually the target volume isn't that dense into two players, but we'll just say that that's what it is. That leaves 280 targets left over for uh, Matt Breida, Mike Gesicki, uh, Isaiah Ford, uh, Gary Jennings, uh, Mac Hollins, uh, what's his name? Kirk Merritt. It's like, are we we really going to give, you know, Matt Hollins 70 targets? And if we give Matt Collins 70 targets, there's still over 200 targets to distribute. You you break it up. There's not a way to chop up this passing game that doesn't end with Mike Kosicki getting a, I almost had to change this to explicit, a poop ton of targets this year. And that's kind of why I like Mike Kosicki. He's a, he's a, a wide receiver in a tight ends body. They're giving up the pretense that he's going to block or that he can block. He's just going to be a, a giant pass catcher. And this team desperately needs pass catchers. So I think Preston Williams is going to be good this year. I, I agree. He was fantastic last year. He got so many targets for a rookie. But I don't think that precludes Mike Kosicki being good this year either. Because this team, the target volume is so top heavy. That it's hard for me to get away from Mike Kosicki on a, on a, on a target volume question alone. If that makes sense. I, no, it totally makes sense, and I, I think the only thing that I say is that can curb sort of those targets are two things. One, you're not going to see a lot of targets in a slot position between two players. So it's either going to be one or the other that's going to get the majority of those targets, and by far the majority of those talking targets. The second thing is Miami didn't have a run game last year at all. Now, you can say what you can want to say about Jordan Howard, but he's – better than Kalen Balaj and any of those other guys that they had running the ball. Uh, also, they have Matt Breida. So I, I think they're going to be more run-heavy than they were last year, which will strip away those targets um, that we are counting from from last year as well. Well, I mean, yeah, that's why I said, you know, 
550 pass attempts. They threw the ball 615 times last year. So I already dropped them down to 550 is how many between the Browns and the Cardinals. So I, I kind of I'm already pricing in a, a better run game because I, I agree, Mike. I think Jordan Howard is going to give them a somewhat respectable, somewhat respectable um, run game. You know, right. I, I agree. I agree there. But um, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I see what you're saying about two slot guys with with Gasicki and, and, and um, Preston Williams, but. I'm not so tied into where the player starts at the line of scrimmage because I, I'm more into where they end up on the field. Cause I mean, Gasicki can be a field stretcher. He has one of the most insane um, workout metrics that you've ever seen at the, oh, yeah. um, at the I combine. Mean, he's not even a tight end. He's a wide receiver really. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I mean, if they, because they have such a lack of talent at wide receiver, mm-hmm. they very well could move Preston Williams to, um, the Z or the X and have Mike Kosicki play the slot. And that that would make me feel a heck of a lot more confident that Mike Kosicki is going to return to form as he did at the end of last year. So I think it just I think it all just depends on how they set their offensive formation, which we won't know because there's no preseason games. Yep. We don't know. Um Oh, look at this. I pulled up Roto World to see what was going on with Mike Kosicki. ESPN's Cameron Wolf expects Mike Kosicki to be used in the slot in three wide sets. There you go. Money. So, all right. We talked enough about Mike Kosicki. I wanted to uh, kind of talk through Mike Kosicki because I I love the man. I think he's going to be amazing this year. I'm excited to have him everywhere. Um, Noah Fant, Mike you have successfully helped me throw cold water on my Noah Fant love. I still think he can be good, but that's a very crowded passing game. But at the same time, uh, Noah Fant might be the best or second best player in that crowded passing game. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it might be crowded, but does it matter? You know, so I, I'm curious about how that happened there. And then Hayden Hurst, um, He's had limited targets in his career, but on a per target basis, he is better than Austin Hooper. But I'm I'm willing to talk that up to small sample size. Um, and um, after Calvin Ridley, there's not a lot of pass catching there between be, behind Julio and Calvin Ridley there in Atlanta. And that is not disrespecting Russell Gage. So don't don't say Russell Gage, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> what about Russell Gage? Yeah, I, I think Russell Gage is set to get like 80 targets this year if everything goes right for Atlanta. But um, I, I just I just don't think there's a lot of pass catchers there. And I think that they saw Austin Hooper leave and were like, who's a guy that we liked in the draft that we can get? Hayden Hurst. And so they traded, I believe it was a second round pick for Hayden Hurst. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't expect a lot of receptions out of Hayden Hurst, but I do expect touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of uh, touchdowns could be the thing because uh, they do have a an, an allergy to throwing to um, Julio Jones in, in the end zone for whatever reason. So, all right, let's get on to tier eight. This is, again, two guys. It's picks 129 through 131. Um, it is uh, TJ Hawkinson and Jonu Smith. Let's speed this up a little bit. Is there a who, – who do you prefer here and why? Oof. I'm, I'm gonna go with John John U. Smith just because I've seen John U. Smith do it. I, I haven't seen anything out of T.J. Hawkinson against except for one week one, and that was against one of the worst 
tight end defenses in football last year. So everybody went off on the Cardinals at the tight end position. And so I got Johnny Smith, who's not only shown that he can do it, but he's been, you know, is more of a veteran. I'm going to go with Johnny Smith. Okay. And I'm going to go with uh, TJ Hawkinson. Ha-ha! Because, ah, because Johnny Smith... Okay, so there's the mystery box of TJ Hawkinson. And the mystery box of TJ Hawkinson is he could be the next Gronk. Sure. You could take him and pick 129 through 131, get the next Gronk. The mystery box of Johnny Smith is he's the next Delaney Walker, which is not bad. Don't get me wrong about Delaney Walker. It's not a bad place to be. Delaney Walker was consistently a top seven tight end. He just wasn't that sexy. So I guess it really depends on what the rest of my roster looks like, where the upside of Johnny Smith is a solid guy on a team that if, if Corey Davis goes on IR um, from this toe surgery that he that he got, who are they throwing the ball to? It's got to be AJ Brown and Johnny Smith. So there is a chance that Johnny Smith becomes a PPR monster. I just I'm not as sold on Johnny Smith as everybody else's. As I guess what it is. Well, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that a I, I think you're pretty much right about his ceiling. Mm-hmm. We kind of know what his ceiling is. Hawkinson ceiling. He could by the end of the year he could be the top three tight end people drafted him as a top three tight end. Uh, his ceiling is huge. Uh, so I think it depends on how risk adverse you are. I, I like Johnny Smith's floor much more than I like TJ Hawkinson. So, you know, it's just how much risk you want to take. Yeah. And, um, I just, if I'm, if I'm taking one of these two guys, I don't, I don't want the safe guy. I can get if I'm taking Johnny Smith, I would rather take Jack Doyle. Uh, what thirty picks later? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, if I yeah if I'm taking Johnny, yeah, thirty six picks later, I'd rather take Jack Doyle because you've got me fully sold on this Jack this Jack Doyle guy uh, there in Indianapolis because it's sort of the same sort of profile. It's like he's gonna get a lot of targets, he's gonna catch a lot of balls. Um, the offense might not be directed towards him, but he'll soak up enough of it to be good. Whereas TJ Hawkinson and, and Kenny Galladay could make this one-two punch that the Lions just used to smash the NFC North, you know, in the face. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, I would at this time, this is where I'm starting to turn to upside guys. Um, and if I'm going to take Johnny Smith, I'm going to take Jack Doyle three rounds later. So let's go ahead. Let's get into tier nine. It's Dallas Goddard, Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, Blake Jarwin. Which of these guys are you never going to draft and why is it Eric Ebron? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, I think definitely I like Eric Gibran a little bit more than I have in the past just because I think that the Steelers are going to go a, with a 12 personnel and they're going to sort of use Ebron, especially near the goal line. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, why, why do I want someone who's going to drop more passes than he's going to actually catch? Mm-hmm. That's the problem with Eric Ebron. And if they go 12 personnel, if they go out of their way to put both Eric Ebron and Vance McDonald on the field on passing downs, I am going to forsake anybody in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And I would say that Mike Tomlin needs to get fired because those are two guys who cannot catch a ball to save their lives. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to go 12 personnel. too. <sighs> ugh, ugh. Going out of your way to get Jack Doyle, I'm sorry, to get Eric Ebron and Vance McDonald on the field when you have Juju, D- 
Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and James Washington is insane to me. That's crazy, but I could see them doing it. That's the thing. Why else would they sign Eric Ebron? Exactly. Stupid. So stupid. So stupid, Pittsburgh. You hear me? So stupid. So, okay. Um, So we talked, Jack Doyle is kind of the safe play here. Um, We've talked about him quite a bit, I think, on this podcast, more so than I've heard on other podcasts. Mike, why don't you give the one-minute rundown on, on the Colts and Jack Doyle here? So the Colts do run a 12 personnel, and Jack Doyle is the receiver that's going to be targeted quite a bit. Two things. One, that means a lot of PPR receptions from the tight end position, especially when you're considering him going where he's going as, like, the 19th tight end. Secondly, touchdowns. We all know Phillip Rivers loves to target the tight end near the goal line, which is really huge, especially when you're talking the 19th tight end off the board. I like Jack Doyle a lot. I think that anywhere between, say, 14 to 19, you can get him anywhere between there. He's golden, and he's going to be, you know, he, you're, you're not – Looking at, you know, okay, is Dallas Goddard with Zach Ertz, Eric Ebron with Vance McDonald, Blake Jarwin with a whole bunch of other receivers that are going to be a lot more targeted. So Jack Doyle is the guy that I really like, especially because we know Phillip Rivers and that tight end connection is so golden. Yeah, and um, I said, why take Johnny Smith when you can take Jack Doyle 30 picks later? Um, I am giving the entire... This comes with a a statement that I've decided that I'm giving every single player that wore an Indianapolis Colts uniform last year a pass for what they did in 2019. Andrew Luck retired, what, like two weeks before the season? Yep. So nothing that they did last year was in the plans. They were flying by the seat of their pants all year. So Naheem Hines, T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle, Marlon Mack, everybody there gets a pass for me for what they did last year. Before that point, Jack Doyle was a top 10 tight end in points per game in both 2017 and 2018. He got hurt in 2018, so that's why I had to do points per game. So his upside is similar to that of Johnny Smith, but he's going three rounds later. So what Mike has done, and, and you did this in a couple of our mock drafts, is you waited and waited and waited and waited on tight end. And you took Jack Doyle in the last round and you were perfectly happy with your tight end. And I completely understand why you would be because he has, he's going to be a top 12 guy and you paid literally the cheapest price that you could pay for him, um, which is your last pick. So I agree. I I'm, I'm a Jack Doyle acolyte now. Um, Mike, you've converted me. I do believe that Dallas Goddard will finish a lot higher than this. Blake Jarwin is that sneaky sleeper guy. He got 41 targets last year. The Cowboys lost 190 targets and 83 of those came from uh, Jason Witten. Yeah. So Jason Witten was a top 10 tight end last year. So if you just take what Witten did and just kind of translate it over, you can give those numbers to Blake Jarwin. But at the same time, they did add CeeDee Lamb. But then we're getting to the same question that we got from the Dolphins, but with vacated targets. They lit 190 targets walk. And they added two guys to to replace it. Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup are both kind of topped up on targets. They're, it's really hard to fit more targets into them, you know. And so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so they added C.D. Lamb and they have Blake Jarwin there who they gave a contract to. These 190 targets, a lot, I mean, you could chunk off 120 of those for C.D. Lamb. You could chunk off an extra 20 of those each for Michael Gallup and um, 
Amari Cooper, and you're still left with 50 additional targets to give to Blake Jarwin, which would give him 91 targets on top of what he had last year. So it's hard to chop this up in a way that doesn't end up with Blake Jarwin getting a bunch of targets. But I don't know what he's going to do with those targets. So if I'm going upside in this tier, I'm going Goddard. Goddard's gone, I'm going Blake Jarwin. If I want solid, I'm going to go Jack Doyle. And Eric Ebron, I'm never going to draft from this tier. Um, So why don't we go ahead and move on to tier 10. Uh, OJ Howard, Greg Olson, Kyle Rudolph, Jason Witten picks 179 through 186. Not interested. I am interested in Greg Olson. Greg Olson, you're not worried about Will Disley splitting up those tight end targets. I will, if if Will Disley is is healthy, which I don't know if he is he cleared to play week one. I don't know. I don't know. He's he's Schrodinger's you know tight end. He's always hurt or on the verge of getting hurt or recovering from being hurt. He's always yeah uh, yeah somewhere. So just with that alone, but and then you could still make the case for Greg. Greg Olson, who's always hurt, but mm-hmm. I think I think you can play it by year. If Will Disley is going to not start the season, and you know, I think Greg Olson is going to be the tight end one there over Will Disley. But uh, yeah, I, ugh, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I do like Greg Olson in that that by far in that group. Um, I think he he's the one with definitely the most upside just because of Seattle's offense. Yeah. Um, OJ Howard, I, I've started to think of what I call flowchart players. If you think X, then you need to do Y. If you think that Rob Gronkowski is going to get hurt this year, then you need to go out and get OJ Howard is kind of what I think about it. But that's the only situation where I'm interested in any of these guys. Um, Rudolph is, I think, going to lose targets to Irv Smith, Jason Witten to Darren Waller, Greg Olson to Will Disley, OJ Howard to Rob Gronkowski. So that's why I'm not really interested in any of these guys. Um, I would rather get guys in tier 11 or tier 12 than anybody in this tier. So tier 11 is picks 195 through 200, and it's Ian Thomas, Chris Herndon, and Will Disley. Um, I don't know. Did we talk about it in my head, or did I just talk? We talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. Ian Thomas. I like Ian Thomas. I think he's a little bit of a crowded offense, but I believe in the upside there. Chris Herndon. Go just Google Chris Herndon sleeper and and read everything that was said about him last summer. Yeah. None of that has changed. Nope. Not, he played one game. He got 18 snaps, I think it was, and he broke his ribs, and then he was out for the year. And so, then he he was suspended um, for a few games, and it was just a disastrous year for Chris Herndon. People were so high on Chris Herndon last year that they were debating the merits of drafting and stashing a sleeper tight end who was eating a four-game suspension to start the year. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yep. People were talking like he has top five tight end upside and he was worth holding on to. And because he had it was the suspension, then a hamstring injury, then he came back, broke his ribs and was out for the year. People just abandoned Chris Herndon. Nothing that they said about Chris Herndon has changed. Nothing has changed. The offense, the passing game is Jamison Crowder is... Uh, Brashad Perriman, who was a bust until the last five games of last year, and Denzel Mims, who I like, but who is a rookie. Right. The passing game is up for grabs in the in, in with the Jets, and it yep. could be just easily be Chris Herndon. Nothing changed from what we said last year, except for he burned us, and we got that's something. I'm, I'm going to go on a bit of a jag here, Mike. Not Josh Oliver, not that jag. Um, 
we get burned by a player and we don't look at the situation surrounding why the player burned us and we forget why we liked a player in the first place and we just abandon the player. Or we do the opposite. We forget why we liked a player. Like last year, we were I, everybody was talking about, oh, Geronimo Allison has a mind meld with, with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Okay. And I was one of those people. I liked Geronimo Allison last year. And before he opted out this year, you had people talking about, well, we did have Geronimo Allison as a sleeper last year. Maybe you can do something with Detroit. You had a, uh, uh, Geronimo Allison as a sleeper because of his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. How does that translate to the lions? And we have the kind of the flip side of this with Chris Herndon, where we build this laundry list of reasons to like Chris Herndon and Chris Herndon burns us. And, for no reason. I mean, he burned us because he got hurt twice and the suspension was longer than we thought it would be. Originally, it was supposed to be two games. It was four games. Nothing has changed. And yet he is currently tight end 26. He's barely being drafted. And last year, he was just one of the amazing tight ends that everybody loved. Let me look up at his ADP real quick. Watch it be like tight end 26 and I look like an idiot. No, I think it was like tight end 18, 15 to 18. Yeah. Yeah. Tight end 17. So he was a hot sleeper last year. This year he's on the scrap pile and nothing has changed for him except for he burned us last year. We got to have a, as a fantasy football community and as a fantasy football player, you got to have a longer memory than you have. You got to remember things and you got to understand why things happened and why we were in on players or why we are out on players. I don't know why anybody who was in on Chris Herndon last year is out on him this year. It doesn't make any sense to me. Right? Yeah, exactly. am, am, am I crazy? No, no. These are the these are the guys I prey on because for those exact reasons is that people will go get excited about a player or talk about a player and then something happens and then they move themselves completely away from that player for really no reason whatsoever mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they fall in the rankings and it's like okay, well he's at twenty six. I know at least he can be a tight end fifteen. So mm-hmm. if you know if I'm you know, looking at a second tight end, uh, and it's the last pick of the draft. Perfect. I mean, I'm going to get Chris Herndon, and he's going to perform at a tight end 15 or above. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's how you win. That's exactly how you win. It's crazy to me. So, all right, thank you for. Let me hold on. Let me let me get down off this soapbox real quick. Okay, there. I'm off the I'm off the Chris Herndon soapbox. So, okay, uh, let's talk about tier 12. This is the last tier we're really going to go over because everybody else sucks. Uh, tier 12 is picks 219 through 288. These are your end of draft, two tight end guys. These are draft and stashes. Irv Smith, Dawson Knox, CJ Uzoma, Jay Sternberger, David Njoku, Jimmy Graham, Devin Asiasi, Gerald Everett, and Vance McDonald. Let's just talk about who your favorite guy in this tier is. Ooh, God, these, these are players are bad uh, well i can't say <laughs> rookies are bad yet but yeah. um i if i'm if i'm gonna go with anybody i'm probably either gonna go dawson knox or jay sternberger everybody else mm-hmm. i could care less about right in a redraft league so i wanted to talk about dawson knox so why don't you talk about jay sternberger who is a sophomore for the packers who did nothing literally nothing in the regular season last year well, he was hurt <laughs> yeah but he had zero he had zero targets until the playoff game where he scored the touchdown. It was against the 49ers, I think it yes. was. Yes, sir. It was in like the, the back end of the third quarter um, when the Niners were just stomping the the uh, the Packers. 
So, yeah, that, that was a really bad NFC Championship game. Um, I, I disagree. It was a really good NFC Oh, yeah, yeah, for the 49ers. Yeah, that, no doubt about it. I mean, you must have that was really fun. Uh, quick, quick, real quick aside, there is nothing. Let me tell you, Mike, there is no feeling like being at your home team's arena and they are cruising on their way to the Super Bowl. There is no feeling like the second half of that game. You're just kicked back, just waiting to celebrate. It was one of the best football experiences of my life. There is no feeling like it. That's pretty cool. I, yeah. I, me getting to a playoff game would be pretty cool. Yeah, time. you've got a little bit. I got a two-hour drive ahead of me. You got you got to hop on a plane. Yeah, I got I got to take I got to take my my private jet and yes. uh, <laughs> uh, spend an afternoon. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think I think for Sternberger, it, it comes down to a couple things. One. I think the Packers are going to go into a 12 personnel just because Aaron Rodgers is done. Is he's he he still has some magic left, but really for a quarterback, he's he's pretty much toast. Uh, they're going to be running the ball a lot, and that means you want some blocking up front. So Sternberger is going to be the one that's kind of probably be the second receiver. Devontae Adams is going to get a lot of looks, a lot of targets, but. As far as a tight end goes, and as a receiver that doesn't have really any competition in front of him, that's Jay Sternberger. And so, why not at the 31st tight end off the board go with someone that is going to get some looks? Uh, Rogers likes to go to the tight end when he can, so why not, right? Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the guy who's going uh, tight end 29 off the board, and that is Dawson Knox up there in Buffalo. Um, I I kind of bungled a stat that I dug up before I bungled it earlier in the episode. So let me uh, let me let me try that again with Dawson Knox. In the last five years among rookie tight ends, he had the third highest yards per catch. That's what it was. So that that's that's I mean think of all the the good tight ends that have come out over the last five years. Um, Henry Ingram, Njoku, Kittle, Hawkinson. Um, he was higher than all of them. Um, only, uh, Noah Fant and, uh, T oh, I'm sorry. I, I got that wrong, but, uh, only Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, um, kind of surpassed him in tight end rookie tight ends last year. That's what I meant to say, but he out gained Henry Ingram, Njoku, Kittle and Hawkinson on a per target basis in their rookie years. So that's really good company to be in. Um, he's also, so Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, they can catch the football, but it's not like, you know, they're, we're, it, we're not talking uh, Tariq Cohen out there. So the, the short area game is kind of up for grabs because Cole Beasley is there, but I see Cole Beasley as like a, he's a roster filler guy. He's his, his, he has a role in the NFL, and it's to take targets that you would much rather have a much better player taking, if that makes sense, right? The short area ones, the ones where you know you, you run a hook, and you're just kind of standing there in the middle of the field, and then you catch the football. And Dawson Knox is a bigger target. He's a better target than Cole Beasley, and um, I think that he has a lot of, especially in PPR leagues, a lot of upside to him because Stefan Diggs is good in all all there's there's not a range of the field he's not good in but i think they're going to give it to him a little bit deeper john brown's a deep threat and that's it that's your passing game and dawson knox so i think that he is uh has a lot of ppr upside he's in that same sort of mold for his ppr upside as the johnny smith and jack doyles of the world where he 
you know, if he turned around and he ends the year with, uh, he's tight end 12 with only getting three or four touchdowns. So it's not a touchdown thing. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but him, Jay Sternberger, the only guys I'm really interested in, in this tier, Gerald Everett. A lot of people are trying to talk up Gerald Everett, um, because they think that he's better than Tyler Higby, but he hasn't done it. The Rams already saw Tyler Higby do it. So to just assume that they're going to go to Gerald Everett because fantasy Twitter thinks he has better measurables, it doesn't make any sense. You know, Jared Goff isn't counting measurables out there. He's going to the guys he's worked with before and who's, who has caught the football. So Everett has a draft and stash upside if he can absurd, uh, usurp Tyler Higby, but I don't see that happening. Do you, do, I mean, is am, am I crazy? Am I discounting Everett too much, do you think? I don't... I don't. Okay, so a couple things. One, I, I don't think Gerald Everett is as bad as a 35 fifth tight end off the board. No. Uh, so I think that's kind of a crazy ADP for me to even consider. But I think, as, as I was saying earlier in the show, that Everett and, and Higby, um, Everett started up this, this season off as the, as the number one guy, and Higby was the backseat, and then that changed. And when they both had. And when Everett came back from the injury and Higby um, was there and they decided to still go with Higby, I think that is what makes me feel that Higby is going to be their 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 number one tight end. And I just don't feel that 35, I think, is kind of crazy for me. But, um, yeah, I, but then, then again, you're going to say, okay, well, Everett, we don't. We just don't know. There's not enough sample size there to say. You can completely discount Everett. But if Higby is the number one guy, then Everett doesn't count for anything. Yeah, that's. I think that that's why he's tied in 35. I think he's being forgotten. I don't think he should be going after Jimmy Graham or Devin Asiasi. Right. I don't exactly. think he should be going after C. Yeah, after C.J. Uzoma, who he tried so hard to make Tyler Eifert <laughs> and just failed miserably. Um, and um, so yeah, I. I, I kind of agree with you there on Gerald Leverett. I think 35 is a little low, but I don't think he has the upside that a lot of fantasy Twitter is trying to say that he has. So those are the only guys that I'm going to name. Uh, there's more guys here. Are there anybody left on this ADP list that you want to talk about that's worth talking about? I don't think they are in any one or even two tight end leagues. I think the only the only ones, and these, of course, are all dart throws. I, yeah. But these are, these are after pick 300. Yeah. These guys, yeah. Yeah, uh, people that would probably make my list just for the heck of it, just to see what happens. Josh Oliver. Um, okay. Jacksonville. I, from Jacksonville, just because there's not really a tight end there. And Jacksonville last year drafted Josh Oliver mm-hmm. to be the receiving tight end. Uh, and he does have a really good receiving. Um, he, is a, he is a good receiver for the tight end position. Uh, Jacob Hollister, just because, you know, what we saw out of him last year. But, again, he has to go through two other tight ends to make anything. Yeah. And then, of course, Cole Komet, uh, who could be the starting tight end in Chicago. We don't know if that's going to mean anything. But if you're a starting tight end for a team, that means something. Mike, the only team to not give at least 100 targets to a tight end in each of the last three seasons. Maybe Komet will change Ha-ha. Ha-ha. The Bears are going to commit to Komet. Hey, I told Mike, for everybody who doesn't know, I told Mike, I dug up that stat before the show and I was like, well, that's useless. When am I going to talk about that? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you there got you it go. 
I want to stop talking about Josh Oliver real quick. We're going long. You guys are getting a supersized episode. I want to talk about Josh Oliver real quick. So last late last week, I was like, okay, the Jacksonville passing game, let's say Gardner Minshew. I love to go with the 550 target because that's like middle of the pack. He gives 100, so 150 targets to uh, DJ Chark, we'll say. He gives 150 targets to the running backs, we'll say. That's 300. He's still got 250 targets up for grabs. It could be Josh Oliver. It could be LaVisca Chenault. It could be Chris Conley. It could be D.D. Westbrook. It is shocking to me that I do not know who is going to be the number two person in targets on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have no idea who it could be. It could be Josh Oliver. Josh, We could turn around. Josh Oliver could have 100 targets next year. And very possible. I, yeah. I mean, so it's uh, it's one of those things where if you're going to, if you're going to take a guy after 300, I would guess I would take Josh Oliver just because of that question. I would probably very quickly draw, drop Josh Oliver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After week one, when he gets one target, if that, uh, and then it's like, okay, oh, never mind. That's why he was pick eight, 853. Yeah. Oh, well, they're they're playing some trash team week one that they're going to absolutely smash. Who are they playing? The Colts. No. <laughs> I was waiting for you to ask. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. This is Josh Oliver is an intriguing name this late for me. And for you, it is Cole Komet. So, all right, let's close the book on tight ends. But actually, let's reopen it real quick. Any, no. last, any last words on tight ends, Mike? Um. Pick pick who you want, wait on tight ends, and then make a good decision in round like eight or nine on who you feel is the best tight end available. Yes, and my advice is pick good tight ends and don't pick them too early. There you go. That That's really what all fantasy advice comes down to. <laughs> pick good players and don't pick them too early. So, all right. That was me closing the book on, I don't know if that came up, if that uh, was on the mic, but I closed the book on the tight end episode of the Football Absurdity Podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. We should be everywhere. If you don't like what you heard, just subscribe. Okay? Don't rate, review. We don't want to hear from you, okay? Um, We're doing our best. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, For Mike, this is Jeff. You take care, and uh, fingers crossed. Wash your hands, wear a mask. Maybe we'll actually get an NFL season. Take care. Hopefully. I'm back.